0: the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and news makers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Yeah, I'm feeling like Will. I think I'm a press, I'm feeling
1: myself. You're locked into the doping show on radio from the press box to press row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Things are beginning to change. There's no question about that. But we need something to ultimately change. So I urge you to get out and vote, 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 vote. So important. I know that there were issues in Georgia, more specifically in Atlanta, which is very, very unfortunate. You had people that had to wait in line hours and hours, but it is, uh, listen, it is so important. All of these things that we've talked about the last couple of weeks, we've talked about George Floyd and we'll continue to talk about George Floyd and George Floyd's name must continue to live on. Listen, this is a movement that we're in right now, a transformational moment. I, I, I talked about some of the transformational moments. I, you know, when I think back in history, you, you look at some of the transformational moments. I, I, you know, you look at Emmett Till back in 1957. You look at uh, I, I, even the, the, the year of 1964 uh, with uh, the, the three Mississippi workers who were murdered. You look at the Watts riots of 1965 i mean i'm sure there's some other moments as well i I look at rodney king in in 19 really 1992 the la riots and now you look at george floyd and we're in a transformational moment in our history and we're we're continuing to see this is not this is not going to stop a lot of times we'll have these things that happen police Uh, murdering unarmed black men and women, and there'll be marches, protests for a couple of days, and then that's it. But this is not, this is a movement that is happening right now. So we're going to continue to talk about that. You know, also, I mean, you look at what NASCAR did, and NASCAR decided to ultimately ban the Confederate flag, which I think had been a long time coming, Quite frankly, but I mean, I guess in really better late than never in Bubba Wallace seemed to be instrumental because he really spoke out against that. He's spoken out against this. And of course, we've had Bubba Wallace on the program, had a chance to catch up with him at Daytona 500 media day uh, back in February, we had a really candid conversation about race. If you missed that interview, you can log on to our YouTube page. As a matter of fact, log on to our YouTube page at box to Row And you can have a chance uh, to check out that particular interview, but it's like he made a statement. Then NASCAR ultimately did the right thing did probably what it should not probably something it should have done a long time ago. And I can, I can listen. When you're NASCAR, you're in a spot. You try to cater as much as you can to your fan base, and at the same time, tr- you try not to uh, try not to be as offensive as possible. Now, this is this is the thing NASCAR's banned the Confederate flag in the past. I think NASCAR has taken a stance where they they don't agree with the Confederate flag and ask that people. Not bring it to races, but I mean I you know, I was at the Daytona 500 in 2017. I was at the Daytona 500 in 2019. Ultimately, I saw Confederate flags. but moving forward, according to NASCAR now banning the Confederate flag, no more Confederate flag at NASCAR events. you know that that's that is significant. That is very, very, I think very significant. listen. You know, I look at NASCAR. NASCAR's got a, a drive for diversity program. I realize there's not a lot of black, not a lot. There's only one black driver on the circuit. That is Bubba Wallace. Not a whole lot of black drivers um, have have come through. Not a whole lot, but some. And, and so I, I think, you know, NASCAR is one of those where you look at the fan base of NASCAR, but NASCAR really wants, I think, to to try to be as diverse as it possibly can. We here at Box have a really solid relationship with NASCAR, as a matter of fact. And so I think NASCAR, you know, you're, you're sort of caught in, in some respects uh, between a rock and a hard place. But this time NASCAR took a stand no more Confederate flag. We'll talk maybe a little bit more about that today here on the program. Joining us today. A little bit later on, here on from the press box to press row, Academy Award-winning director Spike Lee, Spike Lee set to join us today here on the program. I got to tell you, you know, when we had Taraji P. Henson on the program last year, and it, you know, again, I I, I talked last week about a, a, a situation and where you have uh, these representatives of uh, more specifically, black actors or black entertainers and black athletes, and the representation of those said actors, uh, entertainers, and athletes are not black. So they, they, you know, a lot of times we'll make these requests, and you know, it, it we, you know, it, we, 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 they're not, they're not, we don't get the requests, and I'm not just saying us. I mean. You know, there are a lot of black entities out there from a national perspective where I don't think that certain agencies and I'm not going to I mean, I'm not today. I'm not going to call out any agencies, maybe next week or the week after that. I may Uh, I'm not going to today, but there are certain agencies that only cater to, quote unquote, mainstream media has no idea that said actor, entertainer, athlete need to speak to the black community. Now, Spike Lee and his representation, not like that. As a matter of fact, going back, you know, it used to be a situation where you'd have to actually write a letter to Spike Lee and fax it to him. I've done that many a time going back to 2008, 2009. Uh, it's, It's different now, but finally... Spike Lee set to join us today after in excess of 10 years here on the program. I want to talk about a number of different things. The National Football League really in the form of Roger Goodell apologizing for its handling of player protests. Now, you have a situation. It was really stunning to be quite frank with you and From everything I've read, it's a situation where Roger Dale, uh, in a lot of respects, went out and acted on his own. He may have consulted a couple of owners prior to to say, give him a heads up. Hey, I'm going to do this. And he ultimately did this. One of the things that struck me immediately is that there was no apology to Colin Kaepernick specifically because the player protests began with Colin Kaepernick. I thought that was a little bit disappointing, but I think ultimately, remember, Kaepernick settled with the National Football League. I don't know what the monetary value was or how much he settled for, but ultimately he settled. So I think that may have played into Kaepernick's name not being mentioned, which I think is very unfortunate. I know a lot of people want to see him in the league He's been out, he hasn't played in the National Football League since 2016. I, I've said this many times, and it's not, you know, again, I mean, if he had continued to play, if this, let's just say he did, and, and by the way, grateful that Kaepernick took the knee. He took a stand on what he believed in. I believed, and I believe in the stand that he took. He took it in a way um, that was different generally than anything we've we've ever seen it did cost him his career he was ultimately blackballed out of the league I don't think there's any question about that but so many years have passed now Um, ultimately he did make a a deal with the National Football League and I, I just I don't see like I think it really opens the door for ownership and I think if he gets his shot, he, he he would get a shot. It'd probably be as in a backup role, um, you know. But again, I just you know to me, it, it, there's a reason that he's not in the National Football League. Maybe if he was a you know better player, he was, he was better, he would be in the National Football League. I'm glad he did what he did. I think he suffered. Um, I think that when he took that deal, boy, I tell you what, just think about this. If he hadn't taken or settled with the National Football League and then the National Football League ultimately apologized, they may have uh, even said his name specifically, man, his stock would have went up from a monetary uh, value. I think it, uh, you know, because again, it, it they didn't say or Goodell didn't say Kaepernick, he said player protests. And we know that Kaepernick was the one who started and led the, the player protest. So uh, stunning admission by the National Football League, still not, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, still not ultimately satisfied uh, with the National Football League. Uh, There's so many issues uh, as it relates to the National Football League, uh, particularly as it relates to hiring black folks, hiring people of color. You only have four pers- or, uh, persons of color uh, that are head coaches in the National Football League. I believe two General managers, right now, no owners. It's definitely a problem. They're trying to address it, but listen, it's something that should have been addressed a long time ago, uh, quite frankly. So I'm still not happy with the National Football League, but it was still stunning uh, what ultimately Roger Goodell had to say. Listen, got a lot to get to also on the program. Want to talk about the passing of former Florida AM great Ken Riley, who played. Many years in the National Football League. He passed away earlier in the week. Want to talk about him. Want to continue to talk about black businesses and the support of black businesses also. Join us on the conversation. Hit us up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R R-O-W. Again, thank you to all of the wonderful affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row, all of those program directors, etc., who have come in, uh, and uh, we are a syndicated show, so come in, make sure uh, the show gets on the air. We're so grateful to you. We're still in this COVID-19 pandemic situation. Thank you very much uh, for continuing to carry from the press box to press row. Got more of the program on the other side
0: on last week's From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. But you know what?
1: Even at the level of the representation of athletes and celebrities, we need to start thinking about having people that look like us represent us. They never speak to the black community a lot of times because their representative will not allow for them to speak to the black community. It's not all about mainstream audience. It's about diverse audiences. There needs to be overall reform for the years of suffering of our people in the United
0: States of America. From the press box to press row is one of the hottest sports talk shows in the country. Join Donald each week as he takes you on a journey through the world of HBCU sports and pro sports and interviews with Top sports and entertainment figures. That's from the press box to press row each week on your favorite station. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. I got a letter from the government the other day. I opened and read it, it said
1: they were suckers. They wanted me. For
0: their army Welcome back it to from the, the press box to press
1: damn, row. I said never. You can join us on the program. Hit me up via Twitter at box to row b o x t o r o w or on Facebook box the number two r o w. And with the rash of not only protests, there has been sort of a resurgency, a renewed energy in terms of black power, uh, in terms of. Uh, even more specifically HBCUs. I don't think, we're seeing some HBCU or some former FBS players that are making moves to HBCUs. You look at C.J. Bowler, wide receiver out of Vanderbilt, who put up some pretty nice numbers, especially uh, as a freshman now is going to Alcorn State, where Alcorn State definitely needs some receivers losing the likes of Chris Blair and others. So that's going to be a good move for Alcorn State no question about that and but you know I'm, I'm seeing where there's been some talk perhaps of now where things are there's been a lot of questions asked well why don't we've always asked this question I mean I can remember asking the same question doing a piece back in 1998 when I was a student at Morgan State why don't more black athletes go to HBCUs will we see a where we see a lot of black athletes start to go to HBCUs. More specifically in football, I think, because football is HBCU football is a different dynamic when you look at basketball, it is all division all at the division 1 level. So there's no FBS and FCS. It's all division 1 although they're going to separate it and call, you know, it'd be a Power 5 conferences and mid-majors and all of that, but it's all division 1. But I'm talking about more specifically from and I mean you know we can talk about we can talk about basketball also I mean we can talk about we can talk about basketball also because you're seeing a lot I mean I think with basketball you're seeing a lot of movement generally speaking you're seeing a, a lot of guys that are transferring I mean look at Howard look at Howard's program in the last three years Howard has had some top basketball players that have transferred to bigger schools to play we're seeing just a lot of movement in general guys graduate and then they opt to play their graduate season uh, at another institution without having to sit out because the whole deal with the NCAA is that it wants players to graduate. And what's the, what's part of the incentive for players graduate or for, for um, for players graduating uh is to be able to if you still want to continue to play basketball maybe you're not either happy in the situation you're in perhaps you want to move to another situation a better a situation that will generate better exposure for you then you after you graduate you can move and you don't have to sit out a year which is the penalty if you move from one division and in this case division 1 institution to another. The penalty is that you have to sit out for one year. But we're seeing all, I mean, we're seeing HBCU players leave to go to other schools. We're seeing others, uh, we're seeing players leave other institutions to go to HBCUs. And I'm talking specifically about basketball. Football wise, though it's always, uh, uh, you know, generally speaking, but with respect to football, why don't more black athletes specifically? go to HBCUs there's just I mean there's so many I mean there's so many answers or potential answers to that question. what HBCUs in their current form do not offer is an opportunity to play at the FBS level And that's not necessarily a bad thing to be honest with you because outside of the power five conferences and perhaps the AAC, I mean, you have other, you know, you have, I mean, I I think the Sun Belt is sort of a conference that's an FBS conference that's on the rise. You have some other conferences that are decent, that are FBS programs that are not, or FBS conferences that are not Power Five conferences. But, I mean, at the end of the day, that FBS football or at the FBS level offers more exposure. I would argue, however, depends on the conference. I think when you look at the SWAC, and you look at the MIAC, the MIAC and SWAC have good television packages and good relationships with ESPN that lends to better exposure. So it's not necessarily a more exposure thing. I think it, just from an FBS perspective. Now, if you're talking power five, you're talking the, you know, the SEC, you're talking the Big Ten, or you're talking the Pac-12. Not, well, not necessarily the Pac-12, but the Big Ten the SEC, I mean, you're talking about big, and I'm talking more specifically, Power Five big-time college football. It's harder to get some of those players that can play at those institutions to go to the HBCUs for the reasons that I mentioned. Better exposure, better TV packages on TV every week, big-time football, uh, coverage is better, uh, or I shouldn't say better, but there's more coverage Et cetera, etc though that may be one reason. Uh, there may also be a reason although I think at least the awareness of HBCUs you're gonna start to really uh, especially in the light of uh, George Floyd being killed there's gonna be more of a movement towards maybe not black unity um, uh, buying black supporting black so there's gonna be more of a movement I think there so you may have. Um, Some of that, I think, where, you know, we lost a lot of our HBCU or a lot of black players going to the HBCUs because a lot of, um, I think, a lot of the parents uh, of these prospective college athletes lost perspective on what HBCUs mean and have meant to us as black people. And I think that is unfortunate Um, but again part of it is that because at the same time you're still looking at some of these black players that are going to FCS to non-HBCU FCS institutions as well so I think we've lost some of that why not this what's the prospect of some of our schools starting An FBS conference to play FBS football. We, you know, we saw Florida A&M try to do this going back to 2004. Just, you know, when you start to make these kind of moves, uh, especially if you're a black institution, you have to make sure that your house is clean because they're going to come looking for any reason not for you to allow you to do that. And that's precisely what happened to Florida A&M looking at, matter of fact, it made that move. The provisional move to FBS had an FBS schedule still playing, you know, some of the FCS programs and even some of the MEAC programs, a lot of NCAA sanctions, stuff that had happened a while back came out uh, n- not, uh, and if I'm not mistaken, none of it related to football, which I think was key. And But ultimately, Florida A&M had to come back to the MEAC, had to come back to the MEAC. But why not form a super conference? What What's the possibility of forming a super conference with some of your tougher schools, some of your, well, the ones in football, but the ones that are the biggest schools or the bigger schools that have that following? See, HB... I mean, we can. You can say what you want. We can talk HBCU athletics all day, all of that. At the end of the day, the biggest interest in HBCU athletics is in HBCU football. You can you can say what you want. You can talk about the all the other sports. You can talk about fairness and all that. It's not fair. At the end of the day. The biggest interest comes from HBCU football, and we can see that. You can look at some classic games. Uh, you can look at the Magic City Classic, 70,000. Um, you can look at the Florida Classic. You can look um, at the Bayou Classic. Uh, you can look at the State Fair Classic. Uh, you can look at um, the Southern Heritage Classic. There's so many different classics that, that you can look at, but not only that, you can look at the support uh, of the institutions or, or some of the institutions outside of classics. Look at the, the support that Jackson state gets both at home and on the road. Look at the support that Southern gets at home and on the road. Those are just a couple of the schools. Uh, I I think again, going back to Florida and M's move now to the SWAC. I think it's a good move because Florida and M's going to bring a, going to bring a crowd, but even more importantly, a lot of those, you know, Jackson state Southern uh, is going to bring a great crowd to Bragg stadium. Also, Why couldn't you have like a Florida A&M, North Carolina A&T? I mean, I realize A&T has made, you know, it's move now to the Big South. A lot of that having to do with saving money on budgets, travel, et cetera, student athlete welfare. But let's just take A&T just for the sake of argument at this point. Florida A&M, A&T, Jackson State, Southern, Right. Alcorn State had a lot of success, and by the way, Alcorn State travels well. I mean, that would be five institutions right there. You know, uh, I don't. You know, from a financial standpoint, and 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 and, and I'm also looking at this financially as well, uh, because you have some institutions that are just not in the position from a financial uh, a standpoint to make a move. But right now, I'm talking football, and I'm talking about the programs that are big enough that have won in that support. Perhaps Alabama State. Is Alabama State there? Is Alabama State uh, one of the schools that could be part of this? I look at Alabama State going back a couple of years ago. There was a gentleman that was going to give Alabama State a boatload of money. I think it was like $64 million or something like that for Alabama State to make the move from uh, FCS to FBS, that that was something that happened a long time ago. And I don't know if a lot of people remember that, but some of your schools that have had a lot of success, you know, remember about a couple of months ago, I I, I talked about uh, the article that was in USA Today that talked about the institutions that make the most money. I, I, I talked and, and from a revenue standpoint, I talked about some of the schools that. Um, total revenues were good, but the total expenses, not so much. But then there were some schools where the total revenues were good and the expenses were lower. So some of these schools as athletic departments were in the black. I mean, if you had six or seven schools, you could start a conference. And with the renewed energy in HBCU football, I think you could get a lot of these black athletes, top athletes. You don't just have to be black athletes. Top athletes. OK, uh, I think where you where you look at black athletes just from a historical perspective to go to these institutions, I think, you know, for 10 years or 12 years, a long time, we've been ranking the top 10 HBCU recruiting classes. And generally speaking, a lot of these cl- I mean, you have a lot of these classes, especially more lately, where you're having uh, a lot of these Classes that have a, quite a few three-star players, some four-star players. Well, I think if you move to the FBS level, it gives you better exposure. Uh, I'm, and I'm talking about creating a super conference. Um, I think that also uh, with respect to that, more of your better athletes because there's going to be more exposure Um, There's going to be more. There's going to be an opportunity for more revenue generation. There's going to be an opportunity for bigger TV contracts. Look at I mean, I, I believe that virtually all of the FBS conferences have some form or some kind of TV contract. You look at the TV contracts of the of the SEC. You look at the TV contracts of the ACC. Those are big time contracts, even though there's no other conference that has from an FCS perspective, the contract that both the SWAC and the MIAC have with ESPN, I mean, the contract is not necessarily a great revenue generator. It's not like the schools are getting, or the conferences are getting a boatload of money. I I think it's a, it's a decent trade-off. I would like to, and as I've said in years past, I think that with the contracts that ESPN has and, you know, some may say, well, ESPN is doing this and has created the Celebration Bowl and the Celebration Bowl airs on ABC and all of that. I mean, that's fine and dandy, but our schools, I think, are still worth more than what ESPN is giving them, both from the Celebration Bowl standpoint and from the TV money all if you want to call it i don't think it's a lot i mean but something i think is better than nothing but i think if you go to the fbs level now you're talking about a lot of our schools if if there is a super conference it's going to be their schools or our school's going to be playing more fbs opponents you'll see and and but we raise the level of competition so you know you'll play like an SEC school, you know, you know, we, we, we're seeing where, you know, I, I, is it grant Grambling and Southern both are starting to play these SEC opponents in the future. Well, if you have the better athletes that are coming on the, the athletes that are, are are more highly regarded four-star athletes and, and that type of thing, you can make it more of a competitive game. I would like to see, and what do you think? And what is the possibility of some kind of, of super conference as it relates to HBCUs forming six or seven schools to start. Obviously, you're going to lead a lot of funding. uh, But again, we we had situations where there were um, donors back in the day that had super deep pockets. I think if you start to talk like this. When you start to talk like this, it piques interests of those that have money. And there are not, I'm, not, I mean, I'm not saying that just because somebody, uh, a famous person that has a lot of money graduated from an HBCU, that they're obligated to do something like this. But I think that a lot of people who have money that are HBCU people, that aren't HBCU people necessarily that have a lot of money, corporate America, et cetera, would be willing to, to spend the money if you think big. If you think small, then you can expect small money. But if you think big, then you can expect, I say, for people that have money, corporations, businesses, etc., to spend bigger. We need a super conference for HBCUs that will play at the FBS level Football specifically. Your thoughts. Hit me up via Twitter at row B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. We've got more from the Press Box to Press Row on the other side.
0: You're listening to "From the Press Box to Press Row."
1: That is the voice of Kevin Durant.
0: I'm excited I get to play for. Them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to you know go to work and and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can, no matter who you're playing.
1: I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams.
0: That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, as Julie really focused. Just really, you know,
1: excited. He's Chadwick Boseman, and he joins us here on "From the Press Box to Press Row." You are, in fact, a graduate. What do you remember? most about your days at Howard? Howard is like one of those experiences where (laughs) you know it's a it's a bubble you know it's a it's a special moment like I had some great teachers Felicia Rashad was one of my teachers you know I just remember being nurtured to respect black writers black directors black actors as well as the classics so you got the full scope of what you should experience and I think that's unique to Howard I just love the fact that they respected the full scope of it. Kiki Palmer joining us here on the program. I,
0: I've grown in a lot of different ways. I think I've definitely grown as far as my age progression and that shows that I've literally grown I guess on screen and people have seen me from you know a young kid to coming of age into uh, an adult and I feel like slowly but surely they're not taking that Akilah memory out their head but realizing Akilah is also has, you know, has grown up. I don't ever want to be typecasted as just girl. That
1: is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college in Davidson. Uh, it's a great story and uh, I'm just having fun, you know, living my dream
0: and riding the ride.
1: At the voice of course of T.I., it's some hard times down in the ATL, though. Nah, T.I.
0: and if that is understood. It wouldn't be the first. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be the first, nor the worst. But you know, you gotta stay down with the whole you though. You know.
1: Nah, no question. I'm, I'm still, I'm still down with the skins, man. What can I say? They're, they're not doing too
0: well right now well like <laughs> you know what i mean we gotta hey, hey hey look man we gotta we gotta hold it down so we can so we can get it back right again <laughs>
1: that is the voice of maria taylor esp and college sports analyst college game day is a show that i grew up watching a, a
0: show that i've always loved i knew that when i was um, able to join i was more than excited i found out the same week as i turned 30 and it's just something that i never dreamed i'd be a part of but something that i'm so thankful to have under my belt have done for an entire season it's there's nothing like it, honestly. Hello, I'm Dane and I'm here chatting to Donald on Thunder Press Box to press roll. Kimber Walker. There's a lot more poised now. You know, um, the game is slow down, so you know, I kind of know what to expect. Now, I've been watching a lot of film on you know, our offense and, you know, what plays I can make. You know, I'm just trying to make the best plays possible. When I draw a second defender to me, um, I know my job is done. I just try my best to find an open guy. You know, the difference is guys are making shots. That's been the biggest difference.
1: I'm talking about none other than Common.
0: Well, I ended up in Sam just because I wanted to major in business. And Sam, you had the illustrious school of business. And, I mean, I played high school basketball, but... At one point, my career kind of rounded off because I got injured and I wasn't getting as much playing time, so I became impatient. I went to school first starting off with general studies, then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. So I got into the School of Business, and it was definitely a great learning experience for me. She's
1: regarded as the best gymnast in the world. She's Simone Biles, the ESPN Swimsuit Edition. Actually really fun, like to be honest, me and Allie
0: had a lot of fun. We were like, oh, of course, I like run the best. Shape of our life. We're feeling confident about our body, and we hope that other young girls and women might feel that being strong is still beautiful. So that's what we kind of try to do. Mine was just like. Beauty, But also showing muscles. Like, I feel like when little girls look at that, they'll think it's okay to have muscles and be beautiful and, like, sexy at the same time in a good manner. And I think that's what we got across, hopefully. It was great.
1: Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown.
0: Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because he was against his religion. Mm-hmm. All, all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city so I'm glad you brought that particular incident up.
1: Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh man, thank you
0: for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. You, you football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have grown in Division I.
1: WWE champion Alexa Bliss. How does one go from being a cheerleader as you were at the Division One level at Akron to being the WWE champion? <laughs> well, Uh, After I appeared in Akron, my uh, trainer had told me that WWE was having
0: a tryout, and they knew I was a fan. So I went online, and I submitted a video to WWE.com. I didn't think anything would follow it, but then I was called and given a tryout. And then after I tried out, I was signed to NXT, and it just kind of became a rollercoaster from there.
1: We're joined by the one and only Jerry Rice. What do you remember most about those days at Mississippi Valley State?
0: What is going on at Mississippi Valley State? University why are these guys putting up unbelievable numbers and that brought awareness to the school and after that I got drafted to the San Francisco 49 hey everybody what's going on this is Anthony Anderson international movie star and funny mother and you're listening from the press box to press row. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.box2row.com.
1: That's From the Press Box to Press Row. Real, relevant radio. Welcome back to From the Press Box to Press Row. Join us on the conversation. I mentioned a super conference made up of HBCUs to move to the FBS level in the last segment. Your thoughts on Twitter at BoxToro, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W. In the first segment, talked about the National Football League, the apology by the commissioner, Roger Goodell, for player protests And I mentioned the the National Football League needs to do a whole lot more well. The National Football League has committed to pledging $250 million, $250 million to combat, as it says, combat systematic racism and support the battle against the ongoing and historic injustices faced by African Americans, that's a start. Two hundred and fifty million dollars over ten a ten-year period, or twenty-five million dollars a year, going to certain organizations that um, that uh, uh, in fact fight racism. I, mean, I th- again, you know, when the movement comes and the revolution comes, you you just can't stop it. The only thing you can do is jump on board, and for years and years. years the National Football League quite frankly has been part of the problem for many many years many years has been part of the problem and now wants to be part of the solution we've seen all of these various companies uh, at least over the last couple of weeks uh, make statements and such uh, for their support against racism and all of those things but Prior to the George Floyd situation and the murder of George Floyd, where was the National Football League? Where were these other companies? I mean, the video, I mean, I tell you, and again, I, I, I continue to talk about what we saw. makes absolutely what we saw with George Floyd made absolutely no sense. And I just think the heinousness, if you will, of the video, um, it, it just – it took things to a whole different level but still, where were these companies? Where was the National Football League? Where were these other companies prior to George Floyd? now I realize if we want to make progress, we have to start somewhere so I'm gonna see I mean I'm gonna be I'm gonna be watching I'm gonna be because we know the companies that have always supported or support, the black community, we know those companies, those companies, I mean, those companies don't need to come out with a statement. We know where they stand. They put their money where their mouths are. And that's what, you know, that's what you can ask for. A lot of this, listen, you know, I mean, you talk about systematic racism and uh, what, uh, what black folks and native Americans, I mean, I mean, what has been, what has happened to Native Americans uh, ever since uh, the arrival here in the United States has just been absolutely deplorable. I don't think uh, we don't talk about Native Americans, quite frankly, a lot or enough for my liking, okay? I mean, we we need to talk more about Native Americans and what actually, it, how Native Americans' land was stolen. We, we obviously, as black folks uh, brought here uh, on ships, slavery, boy, w- what has happened to Native Americans is, is absolutely tragic uh, as well. You you look at what these companies are doing. I mean, I think we know, and I mean, I'm not going to name the companies, but you know, when you see advertisements and you see where you have companies that's, uh, and not even the advertisements, but where the investments are and those companies that specifically invest in the black community, specifically invest or try to target the black community not through black mediums, okay? We know who those companies are. Those companies aren't phony. Those are companies that uh, have been doing this for quite some time. I mean, I could name some companies, but I'm not. I mean, they're not paying us here on to Road to name them, so I'm not gonna do that. But you know the companies that I'm, in fact, referencing. Uh, a lot of what we're seeing, um, has to do with with the lack of economics in our communities, all right, the lack of economics in our communities. So I'm interested to see, okay, those same companies, all right, the National Football League looks like, yeah, I, I want to see where these monies are going to go to. Are these monies going to go to uh, to 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 uh, uh, and they mentioned racism and fighting racism, but even more specifically, um those uh, particular um companies that are, that are uh black owned that are minority owned that's what i want to see listen I, I mean you know i've talked about the episode uh that they the that we've had here at box to Row with the national football league i mean i don't want to you know i'm not going to beat a dead horse i mean obviously you know at one time uh, we were uh, uh going to the super bowl and And on Radio Row and all of that. And then all of a sudden we weren't for, you know, for what we got plenty of reasons as to why not. I believe that those reasons uh, were because we are a black owned company, a small black owned company uh, at that. I I believe that a lot of that had to do um, with with that, because, I mean, we look at I look at other companies and. Uh, A lot of uh, a lot of those entities that are getting on Radio Row, et cetera, et cetera, over the years. I mean, the year that they celebrated HBCU players and those in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, we were excluded from that. And I believe they they couldn't change face. I think that was 2015 at that point. Uh, So many different excuses we were given. I mean, I'm not you know, I I, I don't I don't that's not what this is about. I am just saying. But I'm going to be interested to see where these monies are going. Um, and I also uh, because at the end of the day, we must support our black, the our black businesses, not just us as black folks, but as a whole. Black businesses need to be supported on the show that we do box to row on Sirius XM channel 141 uh, that we did maybe about three weeks. about uh, three or four months ago, had Dr. Ben Chavis, who everybody knows Dr. Ben Chavis. He's a national civil rights leader, part of the Wilmington, uh, the Wilmington 10. As a matter of fact, and we talk about some of the atrocities that have happened over the years. uh, No more atrocity uh, had happened than what happened in Wilmington, North Carolina, with the insurrection back in 1898 and the effects that that Insurrection still has on the black community in Wilmington. Anyway, we had Dr. Ben Chavis on. He's also the chairman, CEO of the NNPA National Newspaper Publishers Association maybe better known as black press of America. And we talked about the state of the black newspapers, which is a dying breed. We know the newspaper industry is a dying breed and even more specifically our black newspapers, a dying breed. You know, I even said on that show, I said, I'm going to go out and support and subscribe to a black newspaper. And I invite you to go out and do that too. From a newspaper standpoint, go out and support a black newspaper. Not only, Does that support uh, of that particular subscription, Uh, that's uh, that's small potatoes. What it shows to advertisers is we have a certain amount of subscribers, which will in turn get advertising to respective newspapers. At the end of the day, we need to go out and support these black businesses who are out here doing excellent jobs, excellent jobs. We need to go out and support them. I'm up against the break. Here on From the Press Box to Press Row, on the other side, we're going to be joined by Academy Award-winning director Spike Lee. On last week's From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. But you know what? Even at the level of the representation of athletes and celebrities, we need to start thinking about having people that look like us represent us. They never speak to the black community a lot of times because their representative will not allow for them to speak to the black community. It's not all about mainstream audience. It's about diverse audiences. There needs to be overall reform for the years of suffering of our people in the united states of america from the press box
0: to press row is one of the hottest sports talk shows in the country join donald each week as he takes you on a journey through the world of hbcu sports and pro sports and interviews with top sports and entertainment figures that's from the press box to press row each week on your favorite station
1: We're back here on Box to Row. The film, The Five Bloods, is on Netflix now. And the film is by my next guest. And I'll tell you what, this interview is in excess of 10 years in the making. He is an Academy Award-winning director. Uh, he is a big-time Knicks fan. He's Mr. Everything. He's Spike Lee. He joins us here on Box to Row. Spike, welcome to the program. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. i got to start here. Uh, I'm a Morgan State grad. Uh, H. This is what we do with respect to HBCUs. Tell us, I just want to kind of get your thoughts on your time at Morehouse and how it shaped you to be the person that you are now.
0: Oh, that's, thank you, thank you, thank you. I haven't heard that. I mean, I've been on the radio you know, radio's all over the nation today, you know, hyping the film The Five Bloods, but thanks for that question. I'm a third-generation Morehouse man. My grandfather and father went to the house. My mother and grandmother went to Spellman across the street. My father was a freshman when Dr. Martin Luther King was a senior. And Martin Luther King III, his son and I, are classmates the luscious class of 1979. Mm. What I learned at Morehouse has helped me throughout the rest of my years. I'm 63. The tradition, what you learn about leadership, what you learn about what it is to be a black person is these United States of America. I was taught, you know, not to be shy, to speak your truths. And that is very special about being a Morehouse man, the same way you feel about your school, the same way we feel all about our respective historic black colleges, where we went. So I didn't just go because of, uh, you know, legacy. That would have been my first choice anyway. And I'm proud to be a Morehouse man.
1: That's a, definitely a beautiful thing, and an HBCU grad, of course. So, you know, when I saw the the previews for the Five Bloods, I got really excited about it. Especially, you know, in these days with the COVID nineteen you you can't go out. But boy, I'm really looking forward to seeing this. Uh, can you speak about the? Fi- you got Netflix? I got Netflix. I'm good to go. You pay
0: your bill? I paid the bill. is paid, Spike. <laughs> paid. <laughs> 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 so we're good here uh, tell, we're tell, good.
1: yeah tell us about the film and what, what led you to make this film. and you know you, I mean you've made films, Santa what is Santa was it Santa Santa Anna Miracle St. Anna that's a correct. World War II
0: film correct but i like to say and this is an up and up this is one of the best films I've ever made and it's getting the best reviews I've ever gotten this film is very important to me this the the uh, in a nutshell is about four middle-aged black vietnam vets who returned to vietnam today to find locate the remains of their squad leader who was killed in action that character's name is Norman Norman and played by the great Chadwick Bozeman. And the twist in this film is that once they find his remains, they will find gold bars that were buried, that they all buried together 40 years or so ago. So that's the premise of the film. And the thing about this new Spike Lee joint is that there's no way you could watch this film about... Vietnam, and not connected to why people are marching, not just the United States, but all the world chanting Black Lives Matter. Very well said. The
1: one and only Spike Lee joins us here on Box to Row. The new film, Defy Bloods, is on Netflix now. Uh, Finally, you know, I mean, finally. Two years ago, you win that Academy Award for Black Klansman. I mean, I felt you when 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 we were watching that the Academy Awards. So you saw how
0: I, in my uh, Jordans, my gold Oscar Jordans, how I jumped up into arms of my Morehouse brother Samuel L. Jackson. Yes. Did you see that? Good thing he didn't let me drop, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sam caught me. That was not planned. That was, what you saw was pure joy and happiness when they called my name out. And, in fact, when they opened up the envelope, and I saw later on the tape that he said, The house! I didn't hear that. Mm -hmm. I just heard everybody started, you know, applauding and cheering. Then I said, Oh... It's me. (laughs) But that was a great moment and very poetic. That you know, Sam and I go way back, you know, and his performance in in Jungle Fever as Gator, oh man, I mean that's one of the great performances ever. So it was fitting that Sam was there Sam presented me that a cameo award.
1: Yeah, that was it. Was a beautiful moment. The one and only Spike Lee joins us here on the program. A couple of more thoughts, Spike. We appreciate the time. Uh, NBA looking like it's going to resume, man. The Knicks, uh, what's up? See, I'm a Wizards fan, man. Uh, you know, it, it, we're not that much above the Knicks. What's up with the Knicks? Like, will next year? You know, what what are the Knicks going to do for next year? I mean, uh, this year pretty much is is
0: a wrap. Well, they You know, they're not going to Disneyland. That's for sure, <laughs> right? Unless, <laughs> well, here's the thing, though, and this is you are speaking to a lifelong New York Knicks fan who grew up and was a young kid in Brooklyn where my guys were Walt Frazier, Willis Reed, Dave the Bush, Bill Bradley, Dick Barnett, Earl the Pearl Monroe, I mean, Coach Red Holzman. those Red, I mean, even Red, I mean, even uh, Phil Jackson, those were the guys, they were my guys in the glory years. And it's hard, I'm gonna be honest, I'm not gonna fake the funk, it's hard to be a Knicks fan today. You see how Oakley was one of the the, the great New York Knicks was treated, handcuffed, let out of the garden. You saw recently, you know, how, how I was treated. And then, most recently, which is probably, no probably, which is really the worst thing at all. Worse than how Oak now were treated. The New York Knicks, the organization, I'm not talking about the team, the organization, was the last NBA team to make a statement about the way we lived in, Black Lives Matter. The very last. And once they got around to it, two weeks later, two, two weeks, two weeks late, they might have well not have said anything because the statement was just weak. And I want to make it you know, take me out of the equation. how because I take me out of the equation, but I'm thinking how old players how are we gonna get the great players to come to New York when they see how management treats people. Why would you come here? You'll come here, but you'll be on the visiting the team. You come to the garden. As a visiting player, you know, but you're not going to wear the orange or blue. So, and the guy's not selling the team.
1: Yeah, no, 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 no question about it. Wish we had more time. But again, the one and only Spike Lee joins us here on Box to Row. The film, The Five Bloods, is on Netflix now. He is, of course, a Morehouse man. Spike, we appreciate the time. Thank you.
0: All right, bye-bye.
1: My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Spike Lee for joining us today here on from the press box to press row. Don't forget the HBCU football daily podcast is back for season four. It kicks off on Tuesday. We kick things off with two-time defending SWAC champion Allcorn State. Two-time defending SWAC champion Allcorn State. So you don't want to miss that. We go. Well, we'll start Tuesday next week. Monday through. Friday, the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. We're going to preview all 52 teams that play HBCU football. As a matter of fact, Florida Memorial going to begin HBCU or going to begin football this season. We're going to also preview Florida Memorial next week as well. Don't forget, log on to our website, box If you missed this show or any of our other shows, our podcasts, or on our website at BoxToRow.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Also on Instagram, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. And on our new and improved YouTube page, which you can find at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications.
0: Tonight He's willing to come into your heart and change the direction of your life and give you a peace and a joy that you've never known before. And the people ask me why I continue to preach, and I answer, because the word of the Lord has come unto me, and he tells me to go and proclaim his gospel as long as I have breath. Through the fog, there is hope, and the Love will fall to the earth like a crashing